Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, as you are risen, continue to show us what that means. Yes, that you died fully for us in our place, but you have risen for us. And you send your spirit among us and you continually work through us. Show us today and give us hearts that believe it deeper and deeper that you truly are risen. In Jesus' name. The story we're going to look at today, that you heard a moment ago, there's about two, well, there's two things I'm going to point out, and they roughly approximate to this, how Jesus comes to his disciples, how, so how does Jesus come to his disciples, how Jesus comes, and then how Jesus works with his disciples. So Jesus appears many times, John says this is the third time Jesus appeared, that's what what he's telling you and counting. There's obviously other ones in the other Gospels. And uh, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, Jesus appeared to, to more than 500. So uh, many appearances, and they're all very uh, physical and bodily, so that at the end of the story they say, uh, nobody asked if it was Jesus. They knew. But how does the risen Jesus come to his disciples then, but to you and me, his church disciples there are the beginning of the church now. How does Jesus, how does the risen Jesus come to his disciples? Okay, I want to read again for you verses 1 to 8, that story. And you can follow along in bulletin or in the pew Bible. It says, after this, Jesus re revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, that is Galilee. And he lists who's there, Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel. Sons of Zebedee, two others. And Simon says to them, I'm going fishing. And they say, we'll go with you. They went out, got in the boat, but all night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on shore, yet the disciples didn't know it was him. And he said, uh, hey guys, you have any fish? And they answer, no. I give up after an hour. I don't know about all night. And he said, cast the net onto the right side of the boat, and you will find some. We don't know if that uh, sounds insulting or helpful. I don't know. So they do. Which, by the way, if Jesus gives you, me, or his church, like he does, strange instructions, we should follow them, even if we don't understand why. Obeying Jesus, doing his will, doing what God wants, is far better than any other alternative whether it seems funny, whether it doesn't make sense, whether other people find it funny. In this case, they do. You might say, finally, after all the examples in the Gospels of the disciples, don't do what Jesus says. They do. They, they, okay, this weird, they don't know it's him yet. But, so they cast on the other side, and they are not able to haul in all their nets because of the quantity of the fish. And then the disciple whom Jesus loved, most think is John, therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. And then when Peter heard it, he put on his, listen carefully, put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and then threw himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. They were not far from land, about 100 yards off. I don't understand that part either. When we go uh, swimming, right, we, we wear clothes for work, and then if you go swimming, you take the majority of those off to get in the water. Here it says he, he had his clothes off. Mostly off for working, and then I'm going to go swimming, so I better put them all back on. I, 
We'll understand that when Jesus returns. How does the risen Jesus come to his disciples? I want you to notice that Jesus comes to those disciples in the midst of their failure. He does not appear to them in the midst of a success, in the midst of even uh, doing something good, notable, right. He doesn't come and appear to them in the midst of a prayer meeting or a worship service or them even serving others or feeding the poor. How does Jesus come to his disciples? He comes to them in the middle of their failure. And before that, the appearance is without Thomas and with Thomas, he appears to them in the middle of their what? Fear. They were hiding in fear, and Jesus appears to them. Okay, that's another story. Here he comes to them in the midst of their failure. Well, what is it? Well, uh, it's Peter's profession, and it's all night, and he's caught nothing. So pretty, you know, job not going well. Have you caught anything? No. And you might even wonder, why are they out there anyways? Jesus just told them not that many verses ago, you know, receive the Holy Spirit. And it, and it sends them on a mission to forgive the sins of other people. And, and their lives are, are different now. And, and he's telling them that. And, and now they're, they're back up in Galilee, which he said he would go meet them there. But uh, why, why are they going fishing? Is it, uh, is it a failure of understanding what Jesus has called them to do? Maybe. I don't know. But it's certainly a failed fishing trip. And this is where Jesus comes to his disciples. How often do you and I realize that Jesus comes to you every bit as much in your failures as much as your success? Or how much would you and I love uh, to be caught by Jesus doing the right things, not the wrong things? Or would we be much more comfortable with Jesus using what you're good at what you're not good at. How many of us are far more comfortable saying, Jesus, will you please use me in your kingdom, in your world, and, and use what I'm good at, not my failures? And have you ever considered that it might be your failures that are more useful to Jesus than your successes? I, for one, don't like that. But Paul tells us, in 2 Corinthians, when I am weak, then I am strong. It was his weakness, his thorn, that Jesus was far comfortable using. What about you and me? Have you ever considered that it's uh, when life isn't going well that Jesus might shine through you more than, than when you have success to show other people? How does the risen Jesus come in, in this story? Obviously, there's a lot of appearances, a lot of other angles, but today in this one, how does the risen Jesus come to his disciples and come to his church? It's in the midst of failure. And where is Jesus' power and work most evident? Probably in the midst of my failure. It's when we, I have nothing that I say, Jesus, I need you. It is when you and I are, realize our own sin where we say, Jesus, I need you. Everything that you've done for me, the blood you shed for me, your glorious resurrection for me, I have nothing to offer and everything to receive from you. And it's probably then that I'm most useful and most humble to Jesus. Have you ever considered that your, your disappointments, 
the things that don't go well, might be avenues for Jesus to shine through you and show others the mercy and grace of Jesus far more than when you win or when you get the job or when things go well. Okay, so the first thing, how the risen Jesus comes, first he comes to the disciples in their failure. Okay, then what happens? As I said earlier, strangely they obey. He says, the stranger says, oh, put your nets on the other side of the boat. I have to think that is uh, insulting. Now, it can be that someone from the shore is spotting shoals of fish and say, but all night, nothing, and oh, yeah, just here's one more piece of advice, right? But they do. They obey. And then after the miracle happened, it says John turned to Peter and says, it is the Lord. Now, this is a whole sermon in and of itself, so I won't dwell on it. But that right there, it is the Lord, it is a glimpse of the entire Christian church. Jesus miraculously acts and does something only Jesus can do. And one person points to an, out to another person and says, hey, that's Jesus. Right? Jesus miraculously made them catch fish. And then one disciple turns to another and says, says look, there's Jesus. Isn't that really what the church is? That's, that's what all of, uh, you could boil Christian life down to, to that image. It's one person who needs Jesus saying to another, saying, hey, there's Jesus. There's the one who, by the way, still has scars on his hands and feet. There's Jesus who, who died for us, who rose for us. It is the Lord. There he is. And when you and I do that to each other, we say, there's Jesus. It's not because... Uh, We've done anything, it's because in in their moment of, in some ways, failure, Jesus showed up, Jesus acted, Jesus did something powerful, Jesus gets all the credit, they say, it's the Lord. So how the risen Jesus comes, he comes in their failure, works powerfully, and they, they point out to each other that it's Jesus. Okay, then the next part surprises me then. So if that's how the risen Jesus comes to his disciples then how does he work among them? How does he choose to work among them? That's the next part. How he comes and how he works. Verse 9, I'm going to read the next section. When they got on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said, bring some of the fish that you So Simon went aboard, hauled large fish, 153. They had to count them. There were so many so they could remember. He said, come and have breakfast. And they knew it was the Lord. They didn't ask. It was the third time. What are Jesus' words, though? Verse 10. Come and bring some of the fish that you caught. Who caught the fish? Right? Who gets credit for that? They went all night, nothing. Stranger, who turns out to be risen Jesus, on the shore says, go on the other side. And poof, miraculous 153 fish. And then they bring them to shore, and Jesus already has fish. So clearly he was doing better than they were all night. And then is making bread too as a fire. And then uh, says, come bring some of the fish that you caught. 
If we were being technically accurate, what would he say? Come bring some of the fish that I miraculously caught because you guys aren't very good at this and, and you only caught anything because you listened to me and then did what I said and then I caught these things uh, through your willingness this, just this one time to obey my words after all the other times you've been through. Right? <laughs> he could have said that. No. Bring some of the fish that you caught. Have you ever thought that Jesus really does use what you do? Jesus really does use the work of your hands? They know full well that they only caught fish because Jesus told them to and he made the miracle happen. And yet he, then he turns and says, come bring some of the fish that you caught. I wonder how many things in my life and your life are like that. Jesus works behind the scenes in so many ways through the things that, that we do, and then we might tend to take the credit, but Jesus says, I'm going to use the work of your hands, what you've done, the fish that you have caught. Which then, to me, redeems every minute and moment of every mundane day and week, right? If Jesus is saying, come bring some of the fish that, that you caught, even though you know full well that Jesus is the one that did it, how about the, the car that you fixed for someone that allowed them to come to worship or, or drive other people and serve them? Or the class that, that you taught helped them follow Jesus better? Or the financial planning that you helped someone with enabled them to live and serve and give in ways they otherwise could not have? Or the, the home that you cleaned for someone that could not for themselves, that, that Jesus used that. Jesus uses the work of your hands. Even if you know full well, hey, Jesus did that. But he still looks at the disciples and says, bring the fish that you caught. The person that you nursed back to health so that they had more years to serve others in Jesus' name. Or whatever it is, the callings that Jesus puts you in on Monday and Tuesday and Fridays and Saturdays and whatever else he has you doing during the week. Have you ever thought that Jesus is embedded in every moment of those, even when you say, oh man, I don't know how that happened or how that got done. Come bring some of the fish that you caught and then Jesus uses it. What you do matters. And it is used by Jesus. How does Jesus come to us? Well, from this story, he comes to us in our failure. And that's a good thing. Because when we look at the throne of Jesus, look at the cross of Jesus, we look and say, I have nothing, and Jesus, you have given me everything. As we come to the Lord's table today, we come empty-handed and leave full-hearted. It is Jesus who has the goods that we need, and it's Jesus that gives them to you. And so as we come, this story is a bit of a, uh, a, a you know, represents the, the whole church. And that is that Jesus comes to us in our failure while we were still sinners. Jesus died for us and he comes and 
dies for us, rises for us. And then like Peter and John, when we see what Jesus has done, we say, it's Jesus, it is the Lord. And then when we go out and, and serve, Jesus uses what we do to help others, to show others who he is. And even in the most simple, mundane tasks, Jesus is there. Just like in the most simple, mundane things like water and bread and wine, Jesus appears and restores and saves. Will you pray with me? Gracious Jesus, we thank you that you are risen. And as glorious as your resurrection is, we still remember the agony of your death, both in our place, both for us. Would you continue to give us the forgiveness and the joy that you have won and secured for us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, as you turned Saul, an enemy from your, of your kingdom, into your servant and sent him, pray that you would turn our hearts when we go astray and turn those whom we love who have wandered astray and bring us back to you that we might know your mercy and grace and serve you. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, you set nations apart and governments for the protection of people and for justice. And we pray that you would continue to raise up good and honest leaders here and everywhere and guide elected and appointed leaders in our community, in our country, in our world that would serve for the good of those whom they are called to serve. Lord, in your mercy. Oh, great healer, would you come near to those in need and you know all their names, you know all their needs, and we ask you would come near and give them grace sufficient to carry them through and sustain them in faith and grant them your presence and healing. Lord, in your mercy. As you continue to come to us through the miraculous and the mundane, would you strengthen us in faith here at your table as you meet us. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy, through Jesus Christ our Lord.